This is Unheard Cuts on Being. I'm Krista Tippett. You're listening to my unedited conversation with Margaret Paloma. She's an emeritus professor of sociology at the University of Akron in Ohio. I spoke with her on June 19, 2007, from the studios of APM in St. Paul, Minnesota. This interview is included in our production, Reviving Sister Amy. To learn more, visit our website at onbeing.org. Well, I don't know if they told you this is kind of a something new, a background interview. We are taping it, but I have I'm just getting ready to do my reading. And so I wanted to talk to you um to help me frame that, to help okay. me frame my preparation and you know, with what you do know. <laughs> okay. Well, take it. Okay. okay. We'll see what happens. All okay. right. Um, so I, you know, what I want to do with this, with that, with this subject is not just um, kind of do a biography of Amy Semple McPherson, but talk about what her legacy means and and um, also the larger subject of women in Pentecostalism. Okay. And how that has come down across the ages. Can I want to ask, can you hear me? Yes. All and, right. And I'm on my cell phone, so mm-hmm. I never know what's going to go on. But right now, I, I seem okay. Okay. So. Yeah, you're fine to me. Let Good. me know if you stop hearing or something. Okay. Um, so I'm just, I'm curious if, um, how, do you, how do you know about her? What, what is your knowledge about her and how has it come down to you? I guess I've heard of Amy Semple McPherson many times over the decades. And um, being an academic, I'm probably much more aware of her than people in the pew. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, the big problems, if you will, in among Pentecostals is that they don't seem to worry too much about their history. Right. And so even the denomination that she founded may not even know that she founded their denomination. That kind of thing. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking with um, Arlene Sanchez Walsh. Do you know her? Yes, I certainly do. And she worships in a four-square church. Mm-hmm. I was stunned when I watched the PBS documentary about Amy Semple McPherson. I don't think they even mentioned the four-square church. I can't remember if they did or not, but that's okay. The four-square church is quick not to mention Amy Semple McPherson, too. So, it- <laughs> <laughs> But that is part of her legacy, isn't it? Of course it is. She founded that church. Yeah. She founded that denomination. Uh-huh. And I gave it over to her son. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that this that this ahistorical um mentality is also is also a Protestant mentality that kind of yes. becomes more exaggerated with every new branch of the family tree. <laughs> right. Well, it goes even beyond that. I think there's a reluctance to acknowledge denomination mm-hmm. so that people can be worshiping in a church and be totally unaware of its denomination, its affiliation, its right. origins. Uh, you know, we're not anything. We're just Christians or we just follow Jesus or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a reluctance. Uh, even to identify in some cases with the denomination. Right. I mean, even not just to not be aware of it, but to feel like it, it doesn't matter and shouldn't matter. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think Amy Semple McPherson is this fascinating character, as much as a, she's fascinating as much as a woman, as a, as a religious figure. And she's one of these mixed characters who, who seems to have this theatrical, perhaps flaky side, and yet she was clearly a powerhouse 
mean, how do you how do you think about her? How do you judge her? Well, I think that's a good characterization that you've already given to her. I also believe that she was a woman before her time. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the things that she accomplished in her ministry um, probably not always appreciated it in her time period. Um, certainly from her work with the media, her ability to be one of the stars. And mm-hmm. I think what touches me the most is her reaching out to the needy during the time of the Depression. Yeah. Certainly Pentecostal churches are only now becoming aware of the fact, at least seemingly, that they have a role to play, uh, that you know, they can't just fall back on the fact that uh, Jesus may tarry, or right. Jesus may tarry, right. but actually... Um, you know, they have an obligation to, to the poor and to the, the destitute. And I was just amazed at the role she played there. Mm-hmm. Never realized it until recently. Right. And the, I mean, that that is, in fact, a legacy in Pentecostal history through this woman. That's right. And not only through on, her, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've always been big on missions. And in, as part of that, of course, there will be that that dimension, but to actually just be concerned about those who mm-hmm. were in need was. I think, uh, uh, very atypical of that time period. And I mean, I suppose, depending on what vantage point you're looking at her from, I suppose some people would just say, well, she was a crazy person. She faked her own kidnapping, perhaps. Um, um, I mean, how, how do you think about her, the volatility of her personality? I guess I wonder to what extent that isn't a trait of many Pentecostal leaders. Look at that many, many leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, being a woman, she had to forge some of her, her own way and her own identity. But you can even go back to someone like Jimmy Swaggart. Yeah. You know, she's not alone in that. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like Jimmy Swaggart was pretty discredited by that. And Amy Semple McPherson people seem to still want to take seriously, and I'm just trying to figure out why that is. Oh, you know what I, I mean? I think that's only true for academics. I did a little test here at a at Regent University, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm among pedophiles right now. I did a little test and said, well, you know, what do you think her legacy has been? And the males that I talked to just kind of looked at me like, it's too bad she did the things she did. Right, right. And so I don't think that she's really held up in that okay. esteem. I think the academics that have begun pursuing, and even even the non-Pentecostals began to recognize, in a sense, if you will, either her craziness or her genius, mm-hmm. um, uh, take a, a different stance on her. But uh, there's uh, Pentecostals can be very non-forgiving of those who whose clay feet mm-hmm. have been made public. What, what about the Four Square Churches? Are Pentecostals, are other Pentecostals aware of the Four Square Church? Does it have a certain standing and oh, reputation yes. of its own? Yes, I mean, it's recognized as a denomination. But again, sociologists talk about this era of fuzzy denominationalism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've not been around Four Square as much as I have been around, let's say, the Assemblies of God. And I find even there the identification with being Assemblies of God, um, strongly identifying with Assemblies of God, often uh, goes along with uh, a family having been in the denomination for mm-hmm. two or three mm-hmm. generations. 
But for most people, there'll be assemblies this week, and if they move someplace else and there's a four-square church with good music, well, that'll right. do just as well. Or if it's a Willow Creek, right? You know, it's, uh, right. They can even move out of out of the Pentecostal church very often. Mm-hmm. So, when we went um, to the Azusa Street Centennial last year, mm-hmm. we visited a, a four-square church and, and took some sound, and you know, it's a very I didn't actually go. A team of my producers went, but I listened to all the audio they gathered, and it was very moving um, how the makeup of that congregation really did seem to be a reflection of the diversity um, of that of the early Pentecostal movement. It was a real mixture of races and backgrounds and, and a real community um, in a way that uh, you know, was, was kind of countercultural. Yeah, and that may be a function of being in Los Angeles, too. Yeah, it was in Pasadena, but it was okay, white Pasadena. and black and Hispanic. Right, and, it's uh, in Pasadena, too. Yeah, yeah. And you can find that in their high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm not too, I, I mean, I know in Ohio it wouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the, even in a four-square mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I have such admiration, and I'm so intrigued by this, this aspect of early Pentecostalism that did give women authority in ministry um, or have an openness to that, which I know did not continue in many of the strains. But, I mean, I I think that Amy Semple McPherson is kind of a reminder of that, (laughs) even if she's an uncomfortable reminder. Well, yes, but don't forget she didn't last in the Assemblies of God either. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That was very short-lived. Mm-hmm. So she got, she went on to have her own following. Mm-hmm. So there was room for that. Look at her own denomination. There's not much room for women. Right. But again, Arlene uh, Sanchez-Walsh would be in a better position to comment on that. But my experience is that they've not done any better than other Pentecostal groups mm-hmm. in making way for women um, once the denomination or the group is somewhat established. And is that what happens when it gets established? Mm-hmm. Men take over? <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, well, even someone of Catherine Coleman's renown would say she only had that ministry because some men turned it down. Mm. And so there's a kind of um, thinking, I think, at least in the background, still going on, that if it's a good ministry, a man will do it. Mm-hmm. And if there's pay and so on. So the more institutionalized the group is, the more successful it is the more likely it is to be able to attract men who can't earn a salary, earn a living mm-hmm. off the ministry. Where I've seen women take ministries not because they got paid enough, but because they felt this is what God wanted them to do. So is there somewhere an unbroken line from that early spirit of Azusa Street that said women could, that God could speak directly to women too, that they could be ministers? Are there traditions or churches um, that still practice that? I would say what happens, Chrissy, is it fits in very well with the thesis that I continue to to go back to and any comments they make about Pentecostals, and that is that the Spirit falls and the Spirit flows for a short time, but it doesn't take very long before any particular group becomes what I call routinized Hmm. or... Mm -hmm. And, and so we have a kind of institutionalization that quenches, if you will, that free move the spirit. 
some sociologists have said that whatever else they are, religious experiences are institutionally dangerous. Hmm. And so even though there can be that free flow of experience that will make room for women, mm-hmm. um, often that's not going to last that long. And, and certainly we saw that from Azusa Street, not just with regard to women, but even to the multicultural nature yeah. of the gathering. That right. didn't last very long. Right, right. Right, blacks and Hispanics and men and women. And exactly. That, that empowered community didn't, mm-hmm. it split up. Um, what um, would you recommend that I read? Like, okay, I have four books in front of me. Um, just these are some of the ones that have come in. We've got Grant Wacker's Heaven Below, which I've always heard is an excellent book. Yes, um, it's a good review. It's a good overview. You can okay. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one by... Uh, Matthew Sutton, Amy Semple McPherson, and the Resurrection of Christian America. Yeah, I've not read that one. Okay, Daniel Daniel Mark Epstein, Sister Amy, the Life of Amy Semple McPherson. Yeah, I think that's the one I've read. Okay, is that? Would you recommend? You know, I I would recommend, but I'm not a historian. Mm -hmm. You know, so she's not. I've read pretty much the same way you have for Mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. Um, Mel Robeck has a very good article in the. International Dictionary, a Pentecostal charismatic oh, movement. Okay. And I wrote an article on Amy Semple McPherson, and, and of course Mel Robick is um, one of the leading right. historians. And, oh, well, and have he, you talked to Mel? He, yes, know. I talked to him. I interviewed him when we were at Azusa Street last year. Okay. Um, so, so that's the Amy Semple McPherson entry in the dictionary. Yes, it is, and oh. it's, a, it's you know it's a readable entry, but it's, it's just very good. Oh, it's not very good. It's very good. Oh, no, it is. No, okay. It's okay. very good. Good, yeah, good. I'm sorry. Well, that's great, and that'll be concise, too. Yes, exactly. That's the advantage. Mm-hmm. I well, and I also trust Mel to put her into context in a good way. Yes, he mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if you... So so when I think about... This is part of this, uh, of this series of NEH-funded programs we have mm-hmm. on kind of historical figures who may or may not have been spiritual figures and their legacy in the present... Um, now we've done, uh, this is quite different. This was the Rumi program was part of that. We also did, um, Einstein and Darwin as part of this right. and Reinhold Niebuhr. Um, I, th- it doesn't have to be a biography though. I think, um, what could be interesting is to use this as a way to explore, um, women in, Pentecostalism and, you know, as a way into this whole question of women in religious institutions mm-hmm. in general. Exactly. What, what would, I mean, if you think about um, an hour of radio f- with Amy Semple McPherson kind of at its center or as a jumping off point, what do, you, what do you think would be some interesting directions and lines of inquiry? What would you like to hear about? Oh, that's a good question. You know, what would, what would inform you? Well, certainly, um, kind of the innovations, the um, the things that she did that were almost seemingly countercultural for her own time period, and walking the margins of Pentecostalism and trying to bridge that with with the larger culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she did it in a way that was very non-Pentecostal for her period. What do you mean by that? You know, well, for example, I guess when I think of Pentecostals of that period, or perhaps anywhere up through about the 1950s, mm-hmm. there were people set apart. Okay. You know, a peculiar people. You certainly didn't go to movie theaters, much less use a theater to do your 
you know, your service mm-hmm. or be theatrical yourself in mm-hmm. that way. Um, she seemed to know how to bridge the movement in a way that Pentecostal in the 21st century is learning to do. Okay. If that makes any sense. So it really puts her ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, again, she managed to do that. Um, I also think, I went to seeing, um, or seeing a video some years back of Mary Baker Eddy, and there were feminists speaking into that, and I really appreciated that because Mary Baker Eddy was an incredible woman leader, and I think similarly for Amy Semple McPherson, and yet, in a sense, religious figures often, even their own group sometimes ignore them to some extent. Right. It's certainly true for Foursquare and Amy Semple McPherson. Um, but so do the secular feminists. Mm-hmm. They don't want to seem to have anything mm-hmm. to do with it. But this was a way that a woman in the 1920s or the 30s could become you know, famous. Right, right, right. She didn't seem to have role models. You know, She was the one that had to do it. Hmm. And so that being innovative, and um, she had to be an incredible woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also was struck, you know, in reading her life, and uh, I feel the same way about Catherine Coleman there, the loneliness, probably, of her life. Mm-hmm. So the loneliness. Yeah, the loneliness, even among crowds. She would yes. still be, you know, she had a unique kind of role to play. Mm-hmm. Who were her friends? Probably didn't have them. I was also struck when I when I looked at the documentary of Amy Semple McPherson and just saw her physically. I mean, she did have this kind of star quality she had yes. this beauty and um you know you could see the charisma even in those old photographs yes which then as now i suppose is always a an ingredient of becoming famous that's right <laughs> and maybe being a leader that's right at least uh, you know that's it helps mm-hmm. it wouldn't provide the whole answer for why she made it that way but no mm-hmm. question look still make a difference or made a difference as they do now and that the story of her her first husband who was this dashing wasn't he scots a missionary mm-hmm. right and you know i remember first learning actually last year when we were at zeus street i had never really heard this story or paid attention to it that the earliest pentecostals began to speak in tongues and they thought they were speaking World languages that they didn't That's know, right. like Chinese yeah. or, right. or, in, or some here Hindi, and they then took off for those places. And the tragic story that she married her husband, and they took off for was it China or some place like that, and mm-hmm. he was dead by the end of the summer from That's right. typhoid just, or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I just I also wonder how that marked the rest of her life. I'm sure it did. Mm-hmm. Imagine. Being a, a young mother, I mean, she's, hmm. I mean, I, I just can't imagine what yeah. she went through. No resources, right? And I mean, I haven't, I haven't investigated this, but I imagine at the same time that he was succumbing to just a physical reality of being in a foreign place. They were also figuring out that they weren't speaking <laughs> Chinese, right? Exactly. Which must have, which must have been a shock. I mean, it must have been. That's right. <laughs> um, and also, then, but the, she stuck with it. She stayed yes. with the tradition. But she always modified her positions as she needed to. I'm sure she didn't go around teaching. Mm-hmm. 
um, the fact that once you speak in tongues, you'd be knowing another language, go off to a mission country. I doubt yeah. that she said that yeah. after that. Similarly, um, there was, wasn't there a time period where she kind of backed away from some of the more extreme mm-hmm. Pentecostal things mm-hmm. where she tried to be more, if you will, in our contemporary language, seeker-sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she moved away from that back into a full-scale full Pentecostal mm-hmm. perspective. So she managed to shift and accommodate as perhaps needed. And mm-hmm. Only she knows why. <laughs> when When you talk about her bridging the margins between Pentecostalism and the larger I'm culture. You. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Can uh, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. When you when you talk about her bridging the margins between Pentecostalism and the larger culture, um are you thinking about how she did at one point start to mingle politics with uh religion? I mean, that was one of the messages again in the PBS documentary and I wasn't sure that that wasn't exaggerated to for its echoes with the present day. I'm not aware of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a historian. Mm -hmm. Someone like uh, Mel Robick certainly be able to address that because she's much more of a scholar. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just read other people write. Mm -hmm. I can't, no, I I just don't know. I don't don't think of her being a political political in the same way that I'm sitting here at Pat Robertson's university. Right, right. right. That wasn't, I don't think of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think of her doing, taking that position. Yeah, I need to, Um, I need to explore that because I don't either. And I, Um, I, it may be that I'll do my homework and find it, but. um. But yeah, I didn't, I don't think of that because for for one thing, kind of cross those themselves being on the margin. They stayed away from that evolution dispute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, they didn't Mm -hmm. go down that trail. Mm Come and pass, so why even bother? Mm-hmm. You know, but right. now they they kicked on to the evangelical star. Yeah, but they weren't accepted by evangelicals. Right. So they didn't have the evangelical agenda. They had the Pentecostal agenda. Yeah. Which was pacifist at one time. You know. Right. You know. Right. Along with all that feminism, it was pacifist. That's right. Um. Well, we're kind of losing our signal with you. I wonder. And I, f- I wonder if there's anything else that you, um, you know, again, other other questions you'd like me to ask or other questions on your mind about her. You know, nothing comes to mind right now because you know, I hadn't been thinking along those lines. Okay. I can always send you an email message okay. if I, you know, okay. think of anything. You know, I kind of read her life and take it for granted and yeah. you know, just know where the historians are at this point in time. I, yeah. I, have you been intrigued that um, historians aren't do seem to be picking her up and being interested in her in a new way? I think they are. Yeah. But that's just because Pentecostal scholarship goes in this direction, and there's a lot more interest in Pentecostalism okay. than there's ever been before. Okay. So I expect that there will be an increasing interest in her as well. Um, but in terms of people in the pews and the day-to-day operation of Pentecostalism, I don't expect mm-hmm. that any. Yeah, make much difference. Okay, well, it's great to talk to you again. This has been helpful. So, thank you for taking yeah. the time. Oh, my pleasure, Chris. Anything you know, right. I can do, just let me know. Okay. Yeah. If I think of anything, I will. You know. Okay, I'll and I'll, we'll know. let you know what comes of this. And I, I, um, I do hope I run into you again one of these days. Sometimes it'll happen. Okay, I, I know. So. I think so too. Okay. It's okay. A pleasure. Okay. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye.